0: Welcome to Training for Ultra, the podcast. Welcome to episode 58 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. And I have a really fun episode, so we get to talk a lot of CCC. Um, I don't do like a direct race recap. I'm going to save a lot of that for uh, the book I'm actually writing that's going to include kind of my first three years of running, Um, and it will include the Moab 240, which I will be going for here within a month, or right about a month away, so... Yeah, it's a fun episode. We talked to Michelle Barton. She um, gives us a few insights on how her Sinister 7, Canadian Death Race, and Black Spur went. And then we kind of just chat about CCC. I'm also joined by the ninth place female, Amy Ledham. She runs for Sufferfest Beer and Goo, and she's becoming a, a friend of the show. And it's always fun to hear her insights and having run the same course the same year, doing the same reroute. Uh, we could really hit it off and and hopefully you guys get some fun insights there. But again, this this race, CCC was a dream race of mine ever, ever since back in the day seeing a Billy Yang video on it on YouTube. And uh, I'm just super thankful to have all the logistics, you know, to have gotten out there bigger than the trail. Tommy Burns charity helped fly me out there. And, uh, yeah, it was a really quick trip, but it was a, a very successful trip, and I take away a ton of great memories from it and just appreciate everyone's support. I, I almost read, I want to say I read every single message, and there were just tons of them, and I'm very, very appreciative. And uh, I, I was happy I was able to crush middle of the pack, so that's all I'm capable of doing right now. That's all I could ask of myself, and it was really nice to get out there and execute because I did not sleep very well. I was still on Denver time pretty much in Chamonix, um, which ended up really helping the second, like the later part of the uh, climbs during CCC. So, yeah, if you haven't heard it yet, I mean, I came away and within 24 hours um, felt like my recovery went very, very well. And uh, I had a, a, a big opportunity, a big opening here to do the Moab 240 to close out not only my, my three years of running, but close out the year. I'm planning to take four months off after it, but it is just, I see it as the ultimate test of myself physically, mentally, emotionally. So I'm assembling a crew. I'm assembling some pacers. I might try to sprinkle in one or two. Kind of exciting surprises into the race for you guys i'm going to try to share the experience as much as possible but i'm very very thankful you know to be feeling 100 percent and ready to literally give it everything i have um it's pretty rare to have the opportunity to see to test myself in distance and see how far I can go it's it's what it's been about since day one I've never been about how fast can I run can I qualify for Boston I don't care about that kind of stuff I'm much more um eager and interested in doing ultras being out there in the community you know not not hurting myself just you know it's a lot of easy running and enjoying running and uh but in the back of my head, ever since day one, September fifteenth, two thousand fifteen, I I've been I've had a nagging question: How far can I run? How how far can I run? And at this point, I'm ready to test it. And I think Moab is probably the safest uh, place to do that. So two hundred and thirty-eight point three miles. And uh, it's going to start on a Friday morning, October 12th. And I'm going to share the experience and we'll see how it goes. So I I appreciate the support. Wanted to thank the sponsors really quick and we do have a new one. So I'll start off with them, Candace Burt, Destination Trails. They put on awesome races. So they put on the Moab. They put on Bigfoot and the Tahoe 200 and just a, a plethora of really great races. So I'm, I'm very proud to have them as a, uh, a new sponsor. I want to thank Hammer Nutrition. Uh, it was awesome seeing Brian Frank out there in Chamonix. He took me out for lunch. He was super, super helpful and, and let me really relax because I didn't have much time before the race. I had less than 24 hours when I got into Chamonix to really put on a game face and get prepared to do everything. So big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. If you haven't tried them out, feel free to use my promo code 252888, and you'll save 15% off your first order. And Sufferfest Beer, they've been a sponsor of this show from just about day one. Big supporters love talking to their athletes. It's cool to talk to Amy Liedem here. And uh, highly recommend, I think, Beer of the Year to try. If your trail runner is FKT, Uh, Sufferfest new beer so they're they have a big distribution in California and Colorado and you can also order online and if you're trying to figure out where it is just check out their website and they have locations of retailers and Last but not least you know bigger than the trail Tommy Byrne, huge huge support and very thankful that they helped me fly out to Chamonix one of the common questions I got was how much does this all cost and I mean truly I don't know I wasn't tracking it that closely but I do know a giant chunk of it was covered by bigger than the trail and it would have been very difficult you know with a newborn and a toddler um, and everything else so big thank you to those guys Um, very thankful but lastly big thank you to the patreon supporters you guys are awesome Uh, we're up to 39 so we're going to get to 300 here eventually Uh, Sean is the newest Patreon supporter along with Cecilio. You two guys are awesome supporters. Truly appreciate it. Um, Appreciate all the Patreon supporters and you guys know who you are. We have great conversations on our close Facebook group and couldn't do it without you guys. And last but not least actually is the uh, Training for Ultra Challenge. So we had that on Strava and then I put on a, a secondary one within the Patreon group and Dave and Lori are our two winners so we'll speak with them hopefully next episode maybe an episode or two from now Um, but Dave and Lori put in 25 miles for the training for ultra week that was my first challenge and we'll have a training for ultra challenge coming up uh, again in a few weeks I think it's going to be a timed weekly challenge so no matter if you're Biking or running or what you're doing if you're active for a certain amount of time, I think will be the next challenge, but I'll keep you posted on that. And Dave and Lori, I owe you some gifts, so I will reach out and make sure you either get a hat or a shirt or whatever you want from uh, the Training for Ultra website. So thank you guys for participating, and let's get into the episode. It's been an unbelievable summer you know we've all had some really great races we've had bad races we've gotten through it yeah. you know we still have you know some good ultra running into September and October. I think those are actually the two biggest months of ultra running races. Michelle Barton joins us again cheetah mermaid Michelle how are you doing
1: hey Rob I'm doing fantastic thank I- you. I'm so excited for you though it's oh, been thank you. epic following you at the ccc and It's just been... It seems like it's just getting more exciting. All these races happening as we speak right now.
0: Just keep layering them, you know? I'm feeling 100%. And you seem to have figured something out, too. I'm really proud of you. You know, after Sinister 7, you know, it was a rough one. You'd been on hiatus for a while in the 100-mile spectrum. And, like, you, you figured something out. I mean... Let's start there. Let's not even go into CCC yet and all that stuff. Let's let's talk about. I mean, you you had some serious pre race anxiety going into Sinister Seven. Like you were, you were questioning a lot, and I know because you texted me. You know, like, do you want to share anything about like how you were feeling going into that race and how that's changed?
1: Well, I was. Definitely afraid to fail. And I did. I made it 145k and got pulled, which has never happened in my, I guess, 16 years of running ultras. Um, so that kind of, you know, I took it kind of hard. And then uh, the weird thing was, I was signed up for the Sinister Triple, which is a series of three races, which is actually amazing. Because if you run these three races, it qualifies you for UTMB. And that's what I wanted to do. And then after Sinister, I was kind of like, shit, I'm lost now. Do I still do these two races or what do I do? And um, I was kind of like a little bit uh, hesitant to even go back to Canada. And I was super on the fence. Like I got my flights, like kind of last minute, just planned it. Just I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that or not. And um, also kind of was a bit struggling with the fact of like, yeah, in California, I used to win, like, a lot of uh, races. And um, in Canada, that's not the case. And also just, like, coming to terms with, like, being okay with that, you know? Just, like, going into this, like, 125K Canadian death race and know, okay, well, I'm not going to place. So I already know this type of running. Well, I would consider it, consider it more like UTMB style, you know, just, like, full-on climbs with the poles technical like stuff i don't really do around california Mm -hmm. so um so basically i ran the death race i finished i ran the black spur 108k i finished and now i feel like i'm not afraid of anything um i really want to run utmb i want to run one of candace's races i want to i i just like feel like this summer got me back into it
0: i mean that's uh, that's half the battle I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to get too personal, and you know, stop me if I do. But like going into Canadian Death Race, you were like, <sighs> you were, you were sort of like, I don't even know. A wreck. How, yeah, yeah, you're kind of a wreck. Like, I remember you texted me before you did the drive there, and you're like, "Why am I even doing this?" Like, I do well,
1: also you know i don't
0: need to be doing uh, a seven mile a seven hour drive here and like i just want a bike i think is what you said or something yeah. to that effect and i was like
1: oh yeah because there was like a bike race that same day or something and I, you know i just want like the yeah the easier of the two or like i felt stronger biking or whatever i just didn't really have my confidence for running and also you know a lot of times These races, they cost a lot. I don't have my stuff comped. I don't have, like, travel or, like, you know, flights and hotel that comp. So, like, it totally does add up. And then I also think of, like, my daughter. There's grizzly bears. Like, that was kind of messing with me a bit. Yeah, that's right. Like, there were grizzly bears on the course. And I think, well, what am I doing? Like, uh, yeah, of course, probably nothing's going to happen. But you really don't know. People are running with bear spray and bear bangers and all that. So, just, like, everything goes through my mind. Yeah, um, for sure. So I... I was kind of freaked out, but then, like, but the morning of, you know, I was fine. I saw all my friends. I was fine. And um, I was freaked out sort of about nothing. The course was tough for sure, but I kind of made a commitment to myself that, like, through the night, whatever it is, if the pace is too slow or too fast, I'm going to hang with someone. And so I found this guy and we hooked up. He was the only guy, like, running downhill on this open fire road like i said previously i can run roads canadians they don't really like that like um at the end <laughs> of each race brian gallant the race director of this sinister triple will send you a survey and everyone's like less roads less roads and i'm like give me the roads, like <laughs> i don't care if it's pavement i don't care what is like get rid of all this crazy technical ropes and rocks and stuff just for like a little bit um so I would fly past um, a lot of people on the open stuff, and there was this one guy running, hauling ass, and I'm like, okay, cool, I'm sticking with this guy. So we ended up running, like, all the way to the finish together, which was awesome because I just wanted to be with someone knowing that there were bears and there, you know, I just I felt like at the Sinister Seven, that was my huge downfall, that um, in the entire nighttime, there was nobody. I was alone. I lost, That's where I lost my race. And I knew it. So yeah. I just completely slowed down. I was being extra cautious to not get get lost. And just uh, that was my one major mistake, I'd say. Because, so, oh, you know, they don't huh? allow pacers. And I didn't have crew. Like, I'm not having a crew come from California. I had friends that kind of helped me out as they could, which really helped me. But, uh, yeah, I learned a ton this summer. So I'm really happy. With how it all worked out. And the courses, I'm in hindsight, I'm really glad that I ran the death race. I'm really glad I ran Black Spur, even though the course was changed due to wildfires, like very, very close to one of the legs of the course. So actually, we only saw um, legs one and three, which made the course harder, like more vertical, but um, a couple kilometers shorter. But um, man, that, that actually was tougher, the Black Spur 108K, than the death race. Even though it was shorter, it was way tougher. Just crazy technical. And having to do this loop number one three times was like, oh, brutal. But then again, I hooked up with these two guys. And we were all just like together. And I think that helps so much. Like you don't plan it. It's just like I was going up this climb. It was super technical. We were gaining a, a ton. Had the poles. I was like crawling i mean i I was like can someone just come i kept looking back there's no lights. nobody and i'm like how is this possible am i like the last runner and i knew i wasn't but finally after like five hours this guy came and i had run with him a little bit earlier in the race he's like thank god like a person i'm like i know thank god (laughs) and then like about an hour later another guy came and he's like oh my furthest run is a 50k and he's like I'm shot from the waist down. like, I am totally (laughs) trashed. So we all, yeah. He's like, do you think it would help if I took a ibuprofen now? What should I do? And so, like, it was weird because all of our roles kind of changed. We probably ran and walked, like, the last 10 hours together. And it was hard. It was a tough course. But it was great, like, being together because I knew they weren't going to leave me. And I wasn't going to leave them. Like, it was just a cool crew.
0: I'm proud of you. I oh I, thanks it was fun I had to lay out for I think it was Canadian Death Race I was like Michelle I show up I like I, I make a a point to show up to every race I sign up for and if I don't run it I'll volunteer or
1: oh yeah you did say that I had to lay,
0: I had to lay down like my hardcore <laughs> line like I this is pretty rare I was like just just drive to the start line if you don't want to race just volunteer and help the race director or do something there take in the community Mm -hmm. so like you went from that kind of like that type of anxiety to the point where you weren't even going to run to then having that awesome experience and then I feel like that kind of rejuvenated your confidence and allowed you to go to Black Spur and have a, a good race and Yeah,
1: that one was crazy, too, because it was so on the fence and so last minute, again, with the flights and everything, just because, like, we all kind of thought this race would be canceled. Like, they have an air quality rating, and I believe, you know, 0 to 10, and it was, like, 8+, plus, which is horrible. Like, you're basically, like, this is not healthy, running smoking like 20 packs of cigarettes or whatever like it was pretty terrible in the morning and then it got better it was just like it felt like you're running inside of a campfire um but like then i got my points and now i'm like dang i need to get those missing points from sinister seven and uh, that's what i really want to do right now so i can apply to utmb because just watching you and all my friends just like really made me want to run that
0: yeah I, Chamonix is a special place. I mean, it's...
1: Everyone says that, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a cool experience. I mean, I definitely want to go back. If anything, I, I want I want more Chamonix. Like, not only the town and the community. Um, I want to spend more time, as sick as this sounds, I want to suffer more, like, at Chamonix, like, on those UTMB trails. And mm-hmm. maybe my race well, went too well for CCC it is kind of weird to say right
1: it is weird to say that <laughs> but then again you had a few people tell you that never summer was a bit tougher in yeah. a different way than CCC and we all have different strengths and weaknesses but I mean I I believe you did better at CCC
0: yeah Yeah, I think I finished feeling much, much better than Never Summer. And I think you're referring to Claire Gallagher saying that Never Summer was a little harder than CCC, which honestly, that single conversation with Claire was like, gave me such confidence going into CCC, maybe even falsely like overconfident. But um, I had serious trouble getting into like a rhythm For the Mm -hmm. first 15 miles, because I've never done 100K with 2200 people or 2100 people. It was, it was phenomenal. Like the start line, you have like a giant helicopter overhead and drones everywhere. And you can tell like this is being televised and this is a big deal. And uh, they broke it, it isn't up. a big deal. They broke it up into waves. So CCC started in like I think three different waves. So you never knew exactly like your position. But I'll tell okay, you what. I did not know that. Yeah, I think I think that was new this year. But I couldn't understand the countdown. <laughs> I heard <laughs> I I know a tiny bit of Spanish, and I guess so in Italian they were saying ten. And then, so, like everyone was getting excited, and I didn't know what was going on, honestly, for the start line. Oh. I could surmise like, okay, well, we're a giant pack of a thousand people here. I can just watch and uh kind of go with the flow, but right. the first fifteen yeah, miles but you
1: can count to you can count to ten in Spanish or count backwards right,
0: yes, yes, I can, but they okay. are so quick and Gotcha. <laughs> I mean I was stressed out because I met my crew um Jamie who I just totally randomly met who right. ult- ultimately became super crew honestly she uh, delivers babies so uh if you need cr- <laughs> if you need if you need crew get someone who can operate under extreme pressure because then like a CCC tent for crew is like no big deal and she's like the ultimate level-headed, logical thinker. But I couldn't yeah, find... Yeah, but how does
1: that happen? Like you've met her on the airplane and then she decides to crew you the next
0: yeah. moment? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, her runner brought two people and you can only have one person crew you. Yeah, And you true. have no You have no drop bags at CCC, so it's 100K oh, with no drop bags.
1: I didn't know that either.
0: And I'm the weirdo with like, you know, the Hammer Nutrition diet... Uh-huh. For racing, so I have this giant bag of hammer nutrition stuff and like a lot of really important gear that should have been given to her the night before. But I was just like, ah, like, you know, I'm going to hit the hit the sheets like I'm exhausted. Like I don't want to have to get on a bus and give you this. So I'll just give you it, to uh, you know, the next day by the start line, I'll be in the middle of the pack um, mm-hmm. and I'll just. You know, I'll be on the far right side. Well, we show up and they're like, nobody but runners is allowed on the far right side. So I'm like, oh, oh, oh no, and and my phone um doesn't work for wherever we were. So oh. I I had no communication. And I put the bag up on like a random windowsill, and Jamie had said like the day before, she's like, well, send me a picture of the bag. Like I'll look for it, just hide it somewhere. Worst case scenario, like I'll I'll go to the start line and find it. But she was looking and couldn't find it. And then the race yeah. the race director came over the microphone and said, "And said, like we have Robert Sager's bag. <laughs> like and and they rushed over and got it. And then yeah, but that You're was so
1: lucky. That's insane."
0: it is but i was of the mind frame it didn't matter like i was going to i would i would say ccc for me is the best mental race i've ever run my whole life it it like might you were have been just
1: relaxed and focused in in it and you said
0: 100% i was it was so weird michelle like i i've never had 24 hours of thinking on this level of making it happen like this was my day it didn't matter. Like I didn't care if Jamie got that bag. It was important. It would be cool. But I was of the mind frame. I could make anything work. Like I was just going to make it happen. Um, And like literally the first 15 miles were, were a pretty good example of that. Like I'm hiking behind guys, just like sitting there. I'm going to be honest. I was kind of like rolling my eyes. Like, Oh, this is horrible. Like I'm just standing here. Like, I got to wait for these people. Um, But then I realized, like, today is my day. This is my A-race. Like, this is an opportunity to save energy. So, like, just make the most of every moment you have out here. This is... You might not ever be back for CCC again. So, just take it in. Enjoy it. I mean, worst case scenario, get some video or photos. And conserve energy because... Once we hit the downhills, I knew from Run Rabbit Run the previous year, a lot of people will hike like crazy up and then they'll like walk down. And that's wow. that's not what I do. <laughs> I
1: Wow, okay.
0: So I just use it as an opportunity and it was an extreme vertical hike that felt like it just didn't stop. Um, but the whole time I'm looking around and I'm like, okay, well, perfect opportunity to hydrate like let's keep nutrition in check like let's make the most of this and yeah it's not my ideal uphill speed but it doesn't matter uh let's stay positive and uh it was it was actually more like instead of thinking like stay positive I never was out of positive thinking which is like next level for me at least so yeah,
1: you were thinking logically and you were being extremely patient. And a lot of times that's really hard when you're in your A race and you want to freaking go.
0: Exactly. So. And it only took to the second climb where people were like hunched over their poles like and I was just <laughs> yeah. I was just like, "All right, guys, like uh, I mean, this is only the second climb. We have four more. You better you better get it get together." Um and then some fog, yeah, lo- some fog rolled in, um, uh-huh. and I finally hit this peak. So the second big climb, I want to say, it was like mile twenty, roughly. It's it's where Italy hits Switzerland. There was no, there's no, yeah, uh, you know, passport checkpoint or anything like that. It was, but that yeah. is the exact point where a good song turned on my iPod. And I was in the zone and I was like, yes, like we nailed these two climbs. It's finally freaking open. It's a downhill stretch and like, let's crush. And I was actually trying to hold back because I knew it was only mile 20. I felt good though. I could have laid out probably like a, like a 645 downhill, middle of the pack crushing. Um, but that's when I hit flow and it lasted forever. Like I haven't been in like positive mind flow, positive mind frame and flow for like an extended period, but it probably lasted like several hours. Um, Right. And that was even through some like seriously rainy, muddy stretches. I was still in flow, like ice skating down mud stretches.
1: (laughs) But now how cold was that? You know, I mean, UTMB this year, I heard it was kind of stormy, and last year was very stormy, but like, I guess you were completely prepared with all your gear.
0: I was, comfortable. yeah. Yeah, I was comfortable. I was prepared because cause it's mandatory gear, so I had to have my coat on me. I had to have waterproof proof gloves and all that other stuff, but I was just like, in the zone. Did you have any
1: dark moments? like? What would you change in hindsight or nothing? Like what? I I know all these races leading up prepared you and stuff, but did you have any?
0: I had no dark. No, no. That's Uh the weirdest thing. I had no dark. That's not normal. (laughs) I had no dark moments. I mean, there was one stretch at mile 57 where it was super foggy. We're at the, you know, basically the top of this climb. And it's like a steep downhill descent, and it's a rework of the course. So it's not even the actual CCC course normally. And it was mm-hmm. the rockiest, rudiest, treacherous downhill section of half, half a mile down I've ever done my whole life. And I was probably, I don't know, five or ten minutes in. I'm just thinking, how the heck does someone like a Hayden Hawks or a Claire Gallagher handle this? Because if you run, you will, there's potential death, you know, like you could tumble for a long time on this stuff. And I come across a guy who there's two other guys next to him. Like, Hey, he's in bad shape. What do we do? Do Does your phone work? I'm like, my phone doesn't work. I'll go to the next aid station. And like, as I'm running away, uh, running away, I'm like, okay, what? what's your bib number okay like I'll give the next aid station that information and so like my darkest moment of this like treacherous downhill I was more like concerned for someone else's well-being and thinking like beyond myself so it, it took me out of that that darker moment and I'm like I have to keep moving forward for this guy who Like, my first thought was, like, did he hit his head? They're like, no, he just feels like crap. So I was like, okay, that's good. That's good. But it's a bad place to not feel good because it's not going to be easy for anyone to get to you. But that was mile 57. And it wasn't until the top of the ski lift that I got to the next aid station, which was three miles later. And, God, it probably felt like an hour later. So I I told them, they're like, okay, we'll take care of it. And I blew through that aid station like it was nobody's business. I literally made sure she understood what I was saying. She got the bib number, 3550, and boom. Like, I don't even know if I filled up water. I might have had water while I was telling her. And I was in and out within less than a minute because I knew like 20 hours was approaching
1: Right, right. Yeah. You cut it close there.
0: Yeah, I mean I didn't expect there to be an extra mile and a half at the end. Right. I'm really glad I didn't just say, well, I can just hike it in. You know, twenty minute twenty minute miles will get me in sub twenty because if I had thought that, um yep. I I would have totally missed it. But it was it was a hard position to be in for those last roughly four miles because the first two were so treacherous. If you push, right. if you pushed, you would, I mean, I literally, I would have uh, risked serious injury. There was occasionally one person who could get through it, but I just, it wasn't worth the risk to me. And I don't know. Yeah, you've
1: been really smart about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I felt good. I felt like I had legs to run the whole race which is kind of rare and
1: yeah Yeah. you were actually running the last few miles because i know you had to push the pace
0: yeah i i was so i'm headed down and i'm like okay i have a mile and a half left like this is in the bag just don't do anything stupid don't trip and like puncture your knee or something because that's Mm -hmm. actually common there at that race um and there's a woman just sitting on these rocks, and she's like, "Yeah, you have 5k to go." I was like, "Wait, what? No, I have like a mile and a half to go." And she's like, "No, yeah. you have you have 5k." And I think she worked for the race. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like this whole time, kind of in my in the back of my head, I'm like, "Well, 20 hours is out. Like that's not gonna happen." And so mm-hmm. I just I just. Like the whole day, I mean, that was maybe one negative thought, but immediately I was just like, keep moving forward. Just everyone has to do the same stretches. Like, so the ultimate goal of like top 500, I'm thinking like everyone has to do this. And if anything, like I hit harder stretches and I was like, huh, like this is to my advantage. Like everyone's going to be mentally down on themselves here, but I am not. Cause like this is my opportunity to make up some time, cause I'm gonna be positive about it. But yeah, I looked down at my watch. I had a mile and a half to go, and I had 19 minutes. I just told myself honestly, I was like, "You're never gonna race CCC again. Like this is this is your one chance. Like if you come back to Chamonix, it's gonna be UTMB or it might be TDS." And I'm like this is your one opportunity. You have to make it happen. And I don't know how my quads, you know, got loosened up, but I dropped, I was running about an eight and a half minute pace for the mile and a half down, which after 20,000 feet of gain. uh, Yeah,
2: that's
1: crazy. I
0: I would say I dug deep, but I didn't dig deep that deep i i did what was needed not to like blow up the last mile um mm-hmm. and if you look at the strava i had like 11 minute mile but that also included going up staircases up yeah. and over up and down road crossings i think twice and yeah i finished uh, 1956 and 4 seconds so i was really and 489th. happy Yeah, I know. It's weird. It's weird that um, I'm reporting, you know, middle of the pack crusher, top 500. I'm excited about this position of 489th, but out of 2,100 people in that course and the conditions. um,
1: And all the carnage this year was insane.
0: Yeah, it really was. And I understand actually why, because it was like your shoes are so muddy. And it's so easy to slip and hit something on some of that mud sections, and mm-hmm. you, know, you have to carry the extra weight. That's that's the big underreported thing. Is this mandatory required gear stuff? Yeah, it's four that's pounds. Brutal. Four pounds on your back for twenty thousand feet of gain for CCC, and then you add yeah. in mud on your shoes, and, right? Like, the extra weight of that, and it's like, I mean given the conditions I couldn't have done anything more and I'm I'm just thankful to have taken part in that and truly the the ultra running community in Chamonix is amazing during that race like I got bought a beer by you know a woman from Singapore who you know loves ultra running and I met all kinds of people from all around the world and you get this little vest when you finish. You don't get a medal. There are no medals unless yeah. I think you're like a top ten. You get a little trophy or something. But um, instantly, it doesn't matter where you are, what language you speak, where you're from. Like when I saw, you know, someone wearing their vest that said UTMB finisher or CCC finisher or whatever. Like I smiled and I said congrats, and I would strike up conversations with someone who spoke you know the most broken english from italy who had just done amazing races and like it's an instant bond, bond. Yeah, it's, yeah it's unbelievable how much running brings the world together and it's really highlighted in shamany annually and it's an ex- it's an unbelievable experience i highly recommend it and uh yeah it's something i'll i'll take with me forever i I hope to make it back there more regularly and become more of a part of that community so
1: yeah and like what an amazing way to celebrate your third year of running that's thank you pretty yeah. huge
0: yeah yeah it's i mean unbelievable yeah
1: and your your time on that course is super solid you know because i just ran that black spur and finished in 21 and that had less gain than you uh-huh. and like you looked great in the video finishing like like this was just a fantastic day for you.
0: It really was. I think it speaks highly of hey, you don't have to do 100-mile weeks to have like a a great race. True. I'm not going to be mm-hmm. competitive, yes, but it allows me longevity in the sport and yeah, I used a bunch of different races as training runs, and I held back, and this was my opportunity to let loose, and the conditions didn't let me let loose, which was like, it was it was good, but it was also like I ran within 36 hours of the finish. You'll love this story. I, I know we're going long on what we talked about, but I so there's yeah. an after party in Chamonix, and let me tell you i i really hope that uh training for ultra can sponsor an after party there at some point in the future at the bar (laughs) um so like i'm i'm chatting with like just you know world-class ultra runners but also back middle of the pack like guys like me that are from all around the world all around the u.s phenomenal party so it ends right i take off and uh I'm sitting for the waiting for the bus because I stayed mm-hmm. I stayed at the Rocky Pop hotel which in itself could be a whole podcast <laughs> um, it was bizarre <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I'm sitting at the bus stop the same one that I got there and uh, I'm waiting because it's three and a half or four miles south of Chamonix, where I was staying because I got a really good deal in
2: uh-huh.
0: the bus pulls up after like 45 minutes and he's like he opens his front door and he's like this is my last stop like i'm not i'm not going anymore and he just shuts it and so i'm like uh okay and then the middle the middle door of the bus opens and this woman gets out she's kind of young and and seemed really friendly actually and i was like uh how do i get to rocky pop and she's like well there's no Ubers, there's no taxis, and the buses are closed, so, uh, you should probably try to hitchhike, and I was like, uh, what, like, I don't want to be murdered in Chamonix, um, (laughs) so, but I'm telling you, Michelle, like, my whole day, my whole mind frame has just been, like, totally bizarre like I can handle any situation so
1: like just roll with whatever obstacle comes along
0: I, I literally that's exactly what's going on and I still have that to today I don't know if something just clicked there but um, so I'm like okay I have two options like I can either walk to Rocky Pop or I can run to Rocky <laughs> Pop and I can either <laughs> sulk and and hold my head low after just an amazing weekend you know, I just had hung out with all kinds of amazing I saw that on humans. I
1: Instagram, all your homies that you've interviewed.
0: Just, yeah, I, I mean, and yeah, I mean, highlight Ida Nielsen coming up to, up to me to talk. Like, okay, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> so I look down, I'm wearing hokas, and I roll up my jeans, and I start jogging at about a 13-minute pace. And just keeps feeling better and better, and you know I'm going. And I I think I did the first kind of Shamanita Rocky Pop five k. Okay,
1: that's what I saw on Strava, and I was like, (laughs) "What is this?" And I I just I didn't really like, you know, really like. Inspected or I just saw it, and I'm like, huh, whatever, okay, like, running again.
0: What What was truly special about it was, okay, it was well-lit, it was beautiful, it was just paved path along the river, not a single person, I literally, I don't think I saw one car or anything, so it was, like, time to meditate and reflect on not only how shaman and CCC went for me, but, like, it really... It was, like, deeper than that. Like, it let me reflect on three years of running, and it was sort of emotional, like, you know, being able to, to think back like that on... that was
1: more emotional for you than, like, the finish of CCC?
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally, because I was relaxed. I wasn't worried about time. I hadn't run for 19 and a half hours. Um, like, I, I find it was just beautiful. Like there's a full moon and I, I wrote about this in, in the book I'm writing, but there's like a full moon that's, you know, lighting up the, the snow on, on Mont Blanc. And I'm just sitting there thinking, like thinking about my dad and everything he's gone through and how he's now training for a marathon. And it's just hard to comprehend, you know, having just finished that
1: that race. Yeah. I can just kind of, like, visualize that.
0: Yeah, it, it gave me the chills, and I was just, thank. I was, it was such a deep level of, like, thankfulness that I had found running, and I was running thirty six af- 36 hours after, like, arguably one of the hardest 100Ks, and my legs didn't hurt, like, I felt great, and I was running, and I was running in jeans, and it wasn't chafing, so, (laughs) um, yeah, it was a special experience for me, unexpected, totally, totally unexpected, but one of those, like, it'll just stick with me the rest of my life.
1: Definitely. When did you first speak with your family, like, after you finished?
0: They had been tracking me, uh, regularly, so they Mm -hmm. didn't include me on the group text, but, um... They weren't like I think the second I got onto Wi-Fi, I told them. Yeah. Um, but I had hung out at a coffee shop. We were waiting. Jamie and her friend. When I finished the the finish line at CCC, they were you know ecstatic and and took me to the warmest section because I got cold really quick. Um, yeah. Pretty normal for ultra runners to not realize how cold they are until they stop running.
1: Absolutely.
0: And Jamie had a baguette. It was like the best smelling coffee shop on the planet. <laughs> it was a gluten free nightmare. Um because I wanted to just order one of everything. But yeah, it was Oh yeah, for sure. It was it was cool, um it was kinda weird because I had built up getting this little vest, you know, as like the finisher vest as being like this mm-hmm. important moment. And like it was more of like after the fact, like oh, I sh- I need to get that, and um, it's it wasn't important at all. And yeah, no, seriously though, I had Alex from uh Geneva who was going to crew for the first aid station the crew could be at, and then he had to take care of two kids, so Jamie filled in, and I'm telling you. If you guys need crew, get, like, uh, a trauma doctor or, like, so- ER
1: physician. someone
0: who's, like, used to, like, just extreme stress because they are, wow. or, like, ex-military. Because mm-hmm. uh, I- I'm just naturally, like, I think very clearly in high-stress situations and can go in and just be, like, you know, A, B, C, and D, um, where other people might get, like, emotional or, like... You know, the cloudy thoughts. So, um, True. it was super refreshing to be like on the same exact page as someone like that. And very thankful to have randomly met them on the airplane to Geneva. So, that's yeah, it, crazy. Yeah, it was just meant to be. And my recovery was unbelievable. So, I don't want to overfocus on my race, but yeah, my my recovery was super fast. I don't know if it has to do with the Shamini 5K that I crushed, but...
1: It could have been.
0: That active recovery, I was like... Uh, let's see. So I did... I think I ran on Tuesday or Wednesday when I got back. But my recovery was so good and and I was so confident with how that race went that um, yeah, I signed up for... Signed up for the Moab 240. Yes, you did. Which is in 35 days. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm extremely thankful to be Huge. working with Destination Trail and Candace Burt. And uh, I'm humbled. I'm truly humbled by how much just extreme excitement there is for someone beyond themselves. So like so many people are excited for me, which is just humbling and I've had so many people request to like crew me or pace me. It's just phenomenal. Like That's I That's amazing. I yeah. Yeah, the ultra running and trail running community is just like the best and um yeah, I'm just thankful to be going into Moab 240 feeling 100%, probably. But how
1: did how did this really, like, happen? Like, you must have been kind of, like, toying with this in your head, like, oh, yeah, well, I want to run a 200-miler sometime. But, like, so soon, like, boom, it just happened, like, a few days after you returned from a sham.
0: It was, honestly, it sounds super weird, but it's one of those, like, my mind frame in Shamni... Just it's like it's hit a different level where I feel like I can um, handle all situations, and it gave me the confidence to just make something happen. And I had talked to Lucia. uh, Finding Gobi. is a it's a pretty cool book. Like I did an interview with her and her husband, Dion. Yeah, I listened to it. Dion's doing. Oh, thank you. It, It was fun talking to her. Within. 24 hours of finishing her husband Dion is going to crush the triple crown. And so maybe that was in the no. back back of my head, but it was one of those, like I reached out to Candace and then all of a sudden I was like, this, this is the ultimate test. Like this, this is why I started running and I'm still like, so I'm two weeks removed or whatever from my three year mark of running. But if I can, Go out there and inspire people to go after dream races and test their own personal limits, like like this is the ultimate final chapter to my first three years of running, like doing the two forty is That's a crazy
1: culmination.
0: It's yeah, it's hard to comprehend. And I
1: mean
0: I'm peaking. I'm peaking out. My body's never felt better and i don't right i don't know if i'll ever feel better than i do today so what better time to go after something that's i see it as the ultimate test of my my personal limits so right we'll and si- uh, we'll that's see.
1: quite a beautiful area and i mean out of all three of her 200s like that one really strikes me the most like I would love to do that some year it's it just I mean like 240 miles that's a crazy distance
0: it it is and the weirdest thing is signing up for it, feeling confident so right <laughs> I I will be severely humbled I know at some point during that race and who knows maybe it's going to be a bad race for me but I'm I'm of the mind frame that I can You know how you progressed from Sinister to, you know, Canadian Death Race to Black Spur? Mm. I've kind of had that culmination. I've done a 100K race basically every month for the year, like just roughly speaking. And um, I am going to take four months off after this race. So the second I hit the finish line at Moab 240... It's going to be at least four months until probably Black Canyon will be my very next race and then Georgia Death Race. Um, we'll see. But, yeah, I, I just appreciate all the positive support and feedback. And, yes, this is a quick turnaround, you know, like from CCC's seen as, like, you know, one of the harder 100Ks in the world. But my I listen extremely close to my body if my body was saying like "Hey, take a break bud like this isn't worth it I'm all about longevity and you know who I look up to is your dad Michelle like I I want to be 79 I want to be 79 doing crazy ass races like your dad so I'm not going to (laughs) jeopardize it and but that's how confident I am that I I truly believe I can finish and Let me know if you're interested in pacing or crewing. Just reach out to me. I'll throw that out there.
1: Uh, Okay, I know how to reach you. (laughs) Hey, and you know my dad is listening right now. He listens to everyone. And uh, he is now 79 and a half, and he just ran the Mount Baldy race to the top on Labor Day and, of course, got first place in his age again in two and a half hours and (laughs) was cracking open a supper fest at the peak and just having fun. So... I will relay the message, but I know he's going to hear it as soon mm-hmm.
0: as you release it. It's awesome. No, i a good I'm, goal. I'm proud of him, and you know what was really cool is he he got faster from uh, <laughs> his 16, 2016 time. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. Like He's doing a great Did job. You
1: share? Yeah. I know yeah. you saw that on the Facebook. Yeah, he, he's doing his thing.
0: A lot of people look up yeah. to him, so yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to overly focus on Moab, but it is, uh, it's mind-blowing. So like I looked at, you know, potential times because I have, I've already had three or four people like, hey, we'll crew you, pace you, whatever. And I'm looking at the mm-hmm. times and I'm like, oh, okay, 90 hours, like I could probably probably come in around 90 hours, you know, who the hell knows. And then I like... <laughs> divide 90 by 24 and I'm like oh my gosh like once you put it in the terms of days it's like your mind just explodes because it's like you know right run for three or four days straight um yeah we'll have a lot more on moab 240 I I promise you but it is like at the top of my mind right now how I haven't been this excited for the for a race ever um,
1: that's amazing
0: yeah yeah it's it's just funny how excited I am to probably probably suffer the worst I've ever suffered but um, for some weird reason it's it's like when I initially read Dean Carnass's book like I just knew I could become an ultra runner like I look at Moab 214 and for some weird reason I just know I can finish the race and I really hope the conditions allow you know for a reasonable test of that, um,
2: mm-hmm,
1: and I'm pretty sure you'll come in top 500. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's my goal, top
0: 500, <laughs> middle of the pack crusher. Um, crusher. Yeah, and for the listeners' background, there's only like 125 entrants, but yeah, I there's still okay, 37, so top 37 or 36 openings. So if you really want to get out there, um, so there's, tempting. Yeah, there's there's still time.
1: Is there UTMB points.
0: <laughs> you know, I I couldn't figure it out honestly. You, I don't uh,
1: think there is for Moab. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. What's weird is Hopefully. there are. It's a hard rock qualifier for the other two hundreds, but then Moab's like left out. It's like. Come on. Well,
1: it doesn't have as much gain, and maybe but, not the technicality and stuff, but like the distance is insane.
0: Yeah, it's that's the same that's with, you know. exactly what I think. Like forty miles yeah. after a two hundred miler. Uh,
1: Because like your elevation cumulative at CCC is more than I believe what Moab two forty has.
0: 240 forty's thirty k, so it's ten thousand more. But
1: okay, so it's uh, so. hmm.
0: But yeah, I'm looking (laughs) at as four hundred k's. So I've I've really been able. I I love the hundred k's. I was telling someone else because I got a lot of questions. How do you train for two hundred forty miler? And I was like. Well, I I personally don't know. I haven't finished one yet, but um, it's uncharted waters, and honestly, it's showing up to the start line feeling good, and probably mentally just being positive, and yeah. Oh yeah. You just I don't see doing a hundred milers as a good, you know, stepping stone in because that extra forty miles really destroys your body. Where the hundred k distance. I feel like the finish line is finally like the point where you're like, you know, hitting that point and right. beyond the 100K marks when I suffer a lot of times, so, yeah. Are you
1: going to have a few chats with a few finishers, you know, like Don Freeman or yeah. Cam Haynes or any of those guys, and uh, maybe after you do the Moab two 4 you might have a little inclination to do that tour de Giants that's happening <laughs> in italy because i i think you want to race in italy is what i heard
0: yeah no i'm i'm up for all of that i mean i'm just right now i'm totally squared away like focused on moab i've watched all the youtube videos there they're actually oh, cool. there's only been 98 people to finish this race so there's not much information out there um, the big mm-hmm. one, obviously, being Courtney to Walter on Joe Rogan, um, and, yeah, yeah, Cameron Haynes finished, but there's only been 98 humans to have finished this race, so that's not a very good yeah. sample size. So I mean, it it could be. It's one of those, again, I didn't even look at the weather patterns or anything going into CCC. That's where my mind was. I was just like, I don't care.
1: That's crazy.
0: I don't even care what the weather is. I'm there to finish it and I'm going to do it. And I'm the same with Moab, except for then I realized because of the number of days, it could be multiple weather systems. True. <laughs> Which is like, again, totally mind-blowing. So, yeah, and
1: I heard it gets very, very cold at night at Moab. That's what Don said, at least.
0: Okay. Interesting. Hey, like,
1: very, very cold. Maybe not for Courtney, but for mortals.
0: <laughs> I, again, I'm of the mind frame. Bring it on. I'll handle it. And I'm going to establish one of the, you know, a, a great uh, assembly of, of crew and pacers and... Um, I don't know in my most ideal world I would have Dean Carnassus run the last 10 miles 15 miles into the finish line I just feel like poetically you want to
1: run further though
0: <laughs> he'd just keep running um, yeah <laughs> but I think poetically like the fact that reading his book got this started and three years later um, you know, potentially gonna do one of the longest races in the US is uh is mind blowing. So I'm just really thankful to be feeling healthy and uh I'm just really thankful to have a wife that is, you know, that supportive of me going after this and the hopefully I can describe a lot of this in the book and inspire people and in, I don't know. Do you have any any final thoughts? What, what races I'm do you have gu- coming up? I'm just
1: going to say, um, like, Moab's going to be here before you know it. Like, 30 few days, like, it's going to be here. You know what I mean?
0: Two weeks, so I got to taper. Start packing. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was telling Candace. I was like, hey, we got to make a call here. I mean, just logistically, like, yeah. requesting days off and uh, having a crew there. Right. So, yeah. I want to finish. I got a message. I get a lot of messages. I don't share enough of these. And this okay. one, this one's pretty cool. I, I don't think I've shared much with Michelle, but I shared this one. So this is from Dan. And, uh, he said that just want to say great job at CCC. And for all the in- inspiration, time and effort you put into your podcast, uh, October 2017, I hit 250 pounds and that scared me a lot. I heard one of your podcasts where you mentioned part of your story and it inspired me to do a 100 miler in 2018 when I turned 40. So I went out and I immediately signed up for the Cactus Rose 100 miler in Bandera, Texas. Since October, I've lost 30 pounds, 30 more to go, ran a 50 miler, 100k and multiple marathons and shorter races. My 100 miler is 8 weeks and I'm excited for the challenge. Thank you for being the inspirational nudge and pushing let's see. pushing me towards living a healthier lifestyle and curse you for helping me become obsessed <laughs> with ultra running life. Uh keep up the great work and always and always try to be that guy that is smiling at mile 99. So that's Dan. Changed his life by listening to his podcast. Like, I just... It's it's really cool. I get a lot of these messages. Maybe not 30 pounds. That's a lot of weight to take off. And and that's yeah. impressive and life-changing. Because I, I only took 50 pounds off. And I know that really, really changed my life. So, um I just want to give a shout out to Dan for you know taking the plunge and I totally relate. Sometimes you just have to jump in the deep end and learn how to swim. So and with yeah. Moab, yeah, Moab 240 I'm I'm jumping in the deep deep end. But you know what? It's it's one of Candace Burt's races, so I I know there's lifeguards and uh I think I'm I'm capable of, of doing it. So, but yeah, it's it's emotional getting those messages, and sometimes it's it un- uncomfortable sharing them just because I don't wanna I don't wanna start crying on the podcast. But um, yeah, it's a really cool one. So thank you, Dan, for sharing. But it that. makes it all
1: worth it, you know, to put yourself out there. And like you said, you started this and this podcast and the Instagram because you want to like make yourself accountable and like it and it just kind of flipped around where like it was people I mean I'm telling you like the people in Canada are like oh I love the podcast you know like you're reaching a, a, the world so it's yeah. pretty awesome
0: I mean I'll I'll just finish with I was at the after party in Chamonix and uh, I was really impressed because there were three people from Singapore, and, uh, I was just like, wow, that's amazing, and they, they shared some of their stories, and I'll have them on the podcast shortly, but, uh, I shook, I shook the first guy's hand, and he's like, oh, you're Rob Steger from Training for Ultra, so, (laughs) apparently we're hitting home in, uh, Singapore, and, uh, it's just, it's really worth it, I'm not doing this. Clearly not doing this for the money, Um, but I I truly feel like a a need to give back because I was in your guys' position, I was in Dan's position, and I listened to podcasts, and I was inspired by a lot of ultra runners, and uh, it changed my life, and so now that I am much healthier... I don't go to the doctor anymore. I don't get sick anymore because I'm so, so much better. Um, Like I I feel an obligation to give back because I'm just so thankful to have gained all these extra years in my life that I don't think I would have had without it. So yeah, it's, it's been an amazing, amazing few weeks and just wait guys, Moab 240 is coming up.
1: I know, but you've worked hard for this, you know? So I'm well, just, I'm... it's been fun watching you along the way and see your progress. It's, it's really, really interesting. I mean, it's just awesome. Because I've seen the bad races, I've seen the good races, and now this is just getting exciting.
0: <laughs> you know what's cool, Michelle, is it's like you and Eo Wang were following me when this all started and i right. think i feel like that's why um our friendship has grown so strong you you and like very few people were like believing in what i was doing before any like i was literally you you were probably liking when i was like oh that marathon or the half marathon that i did took 3 hours and i totally. finished second to last and you were probably yeah still you know sending the supportive message so um and i i try to do that as much as possible with everyone that um you know i see so thank you you know for all your support michelle it's always fun to catch up with you and uh before we end thank you
1: for your support
0: (laughs) yeah what i want to end on on you what do you have um lined up what are you thinking about i know you're you're really I just want to dying find a race to get to, to Shaman. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I really, really, Um, you know, we had some terrible fires here. And so those couple races where I could have got points, those are not happening. So I'm not exactly sure what I'm going to do. But worst case, I guess I would sign up for a TDS or a CCC.
2: Yes. Um,
1: but I, I really want to do the UTMB. And I also want to do like a 200 miler next year.
0: Nice. Um, oh, I, wow. I, I so, know someone that, yeah, puts on some really good 200-milers that <laughs> I might join you for, actually. I'll tell you what, the Tahoe 200 that's taking place right now, it's yeah. like, uh, what a phenomenal race. I mean, it's yeah. it's legit. Like, that's definitely on my radar. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to, to follow you, and... I'll I'll finish with this. My memories, my greatest memories from going out to Chamonix are not actually from the race itself, but it's from the people in the community that I totally related to and had fun with outside of the race itself. And, you know, standing at the finish line and cheering on, you know, those finishers that were coming in at, you know, for UTMB, like forty five hours of running. Right. Like, like in people were cheering as if they had won the race and it was the passion. Um and it was like the global trail running community like uniting for one week. It was just phenomenal. So you'll love it, regardless of what race you choose to get out there. Um, your experience is gonna be phenomenal and it's so beautiful. And yeah, I'm looking forward yeah. to see what you have in store for 2019. So, thanks for taking all the see. time, Michelle.
1: Congratulations, Rob, on CCC, Thank you. and can't wait to see you at the Moab. See what goes down.
0: Awesome. Yeah, we'll check in with you Top soon. 70. We'll we'll hit up um, maybe another Canadian. We'll we'll see. Uh, maybe maybe a CCC finisher and um. Got to check in with Mayo, too, with you. So we, we have a lot in store. And we will. Thanks, Michelle. I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It was It's just great to follow you, and I'm super, super proud of you.
0: Thank you. I'm joined again by a friend of the show, Amy Leadem. She runs for Goo, and she's a fellow Sufferfest athlete. Amy, congrats. You had an awesome CCC, took ninth place. I can't wait to hear your race recap here.
3: Thanks. Um, you too. I mean, I'm bummed we didn't actually get to meet while we were out there, but it looks like you had a great race too.
0: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, if you had just slowed down by like five hours, we could have <laughs> shared some miles. But um... well,
3: I, that almost happened. So, <laughs> <laughs> so
0: tell me about your experience, because I mean, this was a big. This is a huge race. I mean, it's the 100K sister race to UTMB in Chamonix, France, and. It's your first 100k, so you're not going out lightly. This is like a a big time event for you. Not only like it's a global event with a stacked field, but this is the first time you're running 100k with this type of vertical gain in it. I mean, how were you feeling when you got to Chamonix and kind of what was your pre-race situation?
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I've been focusing on this race for almost two years. Um, so I was actually in Chamonix two years ago to do OCC, um, which was kind of my first real mountain experience of any kind running. <laughs> um, and I basically got my ass handed to me by the mountain two years ago. I dislocated my shoulder a couple of days before the race, just like running around, you know, playing in all the amazing, um, trails and then, um, like fell during the race and had to drop, uh, at Balor Scene, which is, you know, the, the kind of last big aid station, um, about 10 miles from the finish for all of the different races. So, um, I I kind of been focusing on this race for almost two years and most of my decisions on, you know, racing and training for the past years have been with this race in mind, whether it's, you know, getting enough points to be eligible, to trying to get as much experience as possible, to be as prepared as possible for this race. So, um, a lot of buildup, um, I had great training over the summer, um, uh, you know, biggest, biggest mileage I'd have ever done and most vert I'd ever done and was kind of feeling really, really good about a month before the race. And then all of a sudden (laughs) I just was feeling terrible. Um, so the, the short version is I ended up giving myself a nice iron deficiency and thankfully I have, um, you know, really great coach and really great um, partner in Inside Tracker, the kind of blood testing company. So we were able to confirm that it was iron deficiency really quickly and, you know, come up with a plan to get me as fit as possible in terms of, you know, body, like not fitness as an aerobic fitness but as like ready as possible to race by race day um but it meant pretty significantly reducing my my running um for the entire month before the race and then working on you know diet and nutrition to absorb as much iron as possible so are you, um, are you vegetarian? No, I'm not, but okay. I I had actually been eating a lot less meat over the summer so funnily enough my husband was teaching abroad for the summer so I was alone and just Um, ended up cooking a lot less meat and then was also training a lot harder and had stopped supplementing with iron. So it was just, it was a perfect storm and, um, I probably should have seen it coming, but I didn't. And it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And, um, you know, that was a really hard thing to deal with, like confidence wise, going into a new distance, um, on the kind of, as you said, the global, global stage, not really feeling entirely confident, but, um, the week or so before the race, um, We actually, the two weeks So we were in Cormier, which is on the Italian side for about six days, um, and is able to get out on the course a little bit and do some of those climbs, um, just to kind of get my legs, you you know, (laughs) have a little bit less shock on race day when we were starting some of those climbs. Um, and then being in Chamonix for the week before the race. Um, so having quite a bit of time out there to, to really settle in, I think helped a lot. Um, but on, on race morning, I mean, on the starting line, I no one ever really knows what's going to happen in a 100K um, or, or any ultra for that matter. But I just kind of felt like an extra sense of, like, I have no idea how today is going to go um, on the start line. So it was a little bit uh, tough, but, I mean, it's impossible not to be super, super excited um, on that start line, as I'm sure you know as well from your experience.
0: I mean... Been- I was intimidated. I was on the global stage, going for top five hundred. Um, <laughs> I was I was in like the middle of the middle of the pack, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, that start line's exciting. You see the helicopter,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: the helicopter was not following me. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> but it it definitely um, like helped it sink in that like this is being televised globally. Like holy cow, this is a big ultra race. Yeah. And running through the village was like to do that opening stretch was really cool. Like all the the local people like cheering you on and and you can tell like they don't know the best runner from the worst runner. They're just smiling and excited to see, you know, everyone running through town. It was really cool experience. But so tell me, how's the first climb go? because it is Um, intense it just never ends uh and I don't mean to like plug this but I'll have a YouTube video out that shows that first climb because it was so slow I had plenty of time to (laughs) videotape um but tell me in the front of the pack when you weren't waiting for people how was it
3: yeah so I mean I um I had talked to Keely Henninger and um, Kelly Wolf was actually staying with us, um, and they both they both ran last year. And I had talked to Keely like in May or April about the, this race, and then Kelly much more you know much closer to the race. And they had some great advice from last year, which was like you know you don't, towards the front, you like, you want to make sure you're in an okay position once you hit the single track, but like also try not to stress about it too much. Like it's going to be a Congo line no matter what. And like, it opens up quite a bit at the front, at least after that first climb. So, um, and generally I do better when I start out slow. Like I need, I need like 15 miles to warm up (laughs) um and so I was trying really hard like not to get caught up in that and at least that first part was fine because it's on the road right it's like it's pretty runnable um I was I kept a, a steady pace on there but like made sure I was holding back a little bit and I had no idea what position I was in which kind of also helped I could see like a couple women just ahead of me and like you know, a p- couple went passed me, and then I passed them again. Even in the first mile, like as we settled into that climb. Um, but it was a pretty steady stream, and there's some super aggro um, Euro dudes trying to pass and like moving really fast. And I was yeah. like, okay, whatever, let you guys do that. So um,
0: aggressive, right?
3: Yeah. I'm like, dude, we have so long to go. (laughs) Come on, shut up. But, um, yeah, I, I had done the top part of that climb, um, in, in like the couple weeks before the race. So like, I kind of knew what we were getting into and, um, yeah, I, I just kind of settled into it and I didn't feel great and I didn't feel terrible. Um, um, but my breathing was a little bit funky, and especially as we got higher, you know, coming from sea level, um, you know, we do get up to like 8,000 feet at the top of that. So I definitely felt the altitude um, as we were climbing. But, um, and then once we got to the top and it opened up on the other side, and it's like that super, I mean, it's a little bit technical at the beginning, but then it opens up to like very rentable single track with like unbelievable views. And as you're on that ridge line, um, I, I opened up there a little bit, and I had some space around me, and um, that felt pretty good. But my legs yeah. didn't really come back to me the way I thought they would once we started descending, which was a little concerning. Um,
0: I, I had the same exact experience, except I was—it was sort of dangerous because I was dodging people left and right because uh, no one was running downhill really. Um, okay. But yeah, I—I I felt like I was totally out of rhythm for like the mm-hmm. first fifteen miles. I don't know yeah. if it was the course or people like just I couldn't find flow mm-hmm. I want to say it was uh yeah I I blasted through most of those aid stations just to try to open up some space but did mm-hmm. you experience the trail how like if you go off one inch two inches it's like a one foot drop off yeah did you experience that at all I actually I like crashed and burned and like I caught myself, luckily, but it was right in that first 15 miles trying to pass someone. Um, I haven't had a trail like that in the U.S. where it just is like a one-foot, like, grassy hidden drop-off. Anyways. Um, yeah,
3: no, that, that was scary. I Thankfully, I didn't really have that. Like, I didn't have to pass people um, on those sections. I definitely waited until, um, it was, and and also I just didn't have as many people around at that point. There was definitely still quite a few, um, you know, in between Bertone and Benati, but, uh, it was definitely a little bit more spread out at the front, which was nice. Um,
0: so the second big climb going up to Grand Cole, how you, how are you feeling going into the second big climb? Because I saw a lot of people kind of keeled over their poles trying to catch mm-hmm. their breath. Like, were you feeling fresh there still?
3: So, I, it's funny, so I went through, I think it was referred to Elena is what it was called, like the, the, Eight station just before that climb um and i actually saw uh, a buddy from san francisco jorge maravilla who you know got seventh last year and i was like i should not be seeing you <laughs> what is going on and yeah. he was actually sitting down and he had dropped which was a super big bummer but I, I stayed there a little bit and actually just talked to him for a couple minutes and it was like my legs feel like crap i'm just hoping they come back to me and um and I, I had actually started. So after Bertone, I started taking in solid gel. So my, my fueling strategy was, um, liquid rock calories for the first big climb. Cause knowing I would be using my poles, I wanted to make sure I was still fueling early, but you know, Using your hands to eat when you're trying to use them to climb doesn't really seem conducive to me. So I was like, okay, I'll do liquid calories for the first climb. I'll switch over to like gel calories um, for that big middle section there every 30 minutes. And yeah. by the time we got to the start of that second climb, I had had, you know, an hour or so of actual calories and I think they had started to sinking and so actually like right after I said to Jorge like I really hope my legs come back I'm just kind of trying to be patient with myself like 10 minutes later as we started that second climb I felt really good actually like it's pretty surprised like I'm not the strongest climber and I I didn't expect my legs to come back to me on a climb but they did and um it kind of helped that it was super foggy on there and I couldn't had no idea how much further I had to go that
0: was so so cool though Yeah, it was like what a special experience at the very top.
3: Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I was like, oh, I have no idea how much further this is. I'll just keep plugging away. And um, a woman had passed me coming out of Elena because I was like putting my bottles away and walking. And then I caught her on that climb. So that was good. I was like, okay, I didn't lose position. Um, And then we got to the top of of the climb there and it was really cold but and a lot of people were stopping to put their jackets on but i was like i'm gonna risk this it's still daytime it was i was pretty warm up until the like
0: same exact thing yes yeah. yeah
3: so i didn't stop and my hands were cold but i was like eh, we'll see how this goes i don't want to like dig around in my pack and lose you know momentum, and so the guy at the top was like, "Oh," I was like, "Oh, il fait froid," like it's cold in French, and he's like, "Yeah, you got to run fast to stay warm," and I was Just, like,
0: "Yeah, you get down out okay. of the altitude, and it's going to warm up." I, I distinctly remember my poles feeling cold in my hands, mm-hmm. um, but I, I thought the exact same thing, like, "Why stop here? It's going to warm up as you descend," and then for me personally, cresting, and coming down, I, <laughs> I had a good song come on. And I really had to hold back not trying mm-hmm. to like do something totally stupid. But I hit flow all the way down to Champax. Yep. Which was like for middle of the pack to actually hit that stretch and enjoy it. Um, halfway down I hit mud. I don't know if it was raining when you went down. How was your descent all the way down to Champax? Um, I had
3: a similar experience. It was it was great. Um, I'm a, I'm definitely a big downhill runner anyway. Um, and that, as you know, I mean, it's like a 10, 10 and a half mile descent that's entirely runnable. Whereas later in the race, as we'll get to later, um, not quite so runnable. (laughs) So I, like after, pretty frustrating like 19 miles of you know hiking and not really feeling that great running I hit that downhill and just like opened up and I was I was also trying to be cognizant of not like completely destroying myself and making sure I didn't smash my quads but um, one of the kind of mantras I had for the race that I got from my coach Mario was, um, you know, push when you can and endure when you have to, like it is an endurance race, but like, though, and there will be times of highs and lows. And I was like, okay, well, this is a time where it's, it's my type of, you know, terrain and I feel good. Like I'm going to push it a little bit. Um,
2: nice. and
3: yeah, so I, I had the same kind of experience, like felt amazing, both physically and mentally going downhill, like past tons and tons of dudes. Like they were really nice. I was asking in French, like, can I pass when it's possible? And they would step aside and See, uh, no,
0: one, no one would step aside for me. I mean, yeah, maybe I mean, it's that's... cause I said it in English.
3: <laughs> um, well, it's also you're probably dude on dude, right? Like, uh, yeah. some most some some dudes get super aggro when a woman passes them, but in this case, I can't they're even not imagine competing you're, with me, right? Like, yeah,
0: so. yeah, you're trying to do your thing. Okay, so I got five miles in in just pure like bliss running down, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, and then it, it starts raining and it's muddy and like it gets crappy like people Mm. are slipping and sliding and ice skating down and (laughs) i saw one guy fall and hurt his leg and like people were falling on their butts and it was right around la foley um yeah and it it was actually getting dangerous i was implementing old hockey skating skills that i have
3: um (laughs)
0: still i tell myself but so was that runnable for you yeah
3: i it did start raining but for me it didn't start raining until we had gotten down off of the like single track what would have been muddy um oh, and i was on bad. the gravelly stuff that was still descending oh, and along over yeah. the there where it was a bit flat um it was raining when i was on that but that was fine because that terrain was you know just had a lot more grip to it yeah. so
0: yeah yeah you missed the uh you missed the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. it, the the <laughs> quarter of a mile down to hit the gravel stretch mile 25. Um, yeah, you. Yep. it was dangerous. But that's cool, though. That worked out perfect for you. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, how was the climb up to the next aid station? Cause the I little thought, baby climb into Champaign? Yeah, because in my head, I thought when we hit that town that that was going to be where the aid station was. And so mm-hmm. I was kind of bummed out for, like, the next... 800 feet of climb (laughs) because I was ready to see my crew you know
3: yeah um, I knew I remembered from the profile that there was like a baby climb up to the aid station and so I was prepared for it and um, I had passed a couple women on the descent and then actually ended up passing one on that climb too so I felt I felt great personally, That's awesome. <laughs> but I, I, That's awesome. a, I knew it was coming, and B you know I just I was super excited to see my my husband was crewing for me, so um, you know I was and I was like kind of right on my time goals. Like I had I had given I was like hey best case scenario this is the soonest I will be at an aid station, and that was based off of like a just under thirteen hour finish, um, and I came into Champagne Lock like right right on pace. I was in sixth place at that point. Um, you know, fifth place wasn't too far ahead of me. I felt great. And I was like right on my time goals and to make things better as I was rolling into the aid station, they were playing the last of the Mohican soundtrack, which like, (laughs) um, just like the epicness of it. I was just like, this is, you can't make this shit up. (laughs) It was so good. Um,
0: I, I was right on time too, honestly. And I don't think i was in sixth place i think i was in 600th place at that point <laughs>
3: hey but if you're hitting um, your time goals you're hitting your time goals that's, yeah that's it was awesome. actually
0: surprising and i think that was right around 55k if I, yep. i'm trying to remember um
3: yeah it's 56 i actually i'm writing my blog on my blog post at the moment and i actually have the course profile open so
0: <laughs> yeah and i my my crew is convincing me that we were only at 50k and i was like nope i'm I'm pretty sure it's fifty five K or fifty six K and they're like, Nope, it's fifty K and so I was I was a little confused with that, but um exiting I happened to run with another American guy out and uh he had just done or he had run never summer, so oh, cool. I really got to like take my mind off things and we just reminisced on the uh comparing the two races and North Diamond and stuff. So that's cool. It's super runnable out of there. Mm-hmm. I mean, were you just flying down that hill? I mean...
3: Yeah, I was... Um, I had eaten and... Um, I, I had forgotten, actually. Like, in my mind, I was thinking of Treant, where you kind of start going up almost right away. Um yeah. And I had forgotten that there was that runnable stretch. So I actually had uh, eaten and drank a little bit more than I probably should have. So I was like, running was like... Uh, had to ease into it a little bit out yeah. of there, but... Um, yeah, no, that, that felt, that felt okay. Um,
0: not to backtrack, what did you have at that aid station?
3: So yeah, I had, I had, I had had all my goos. I was like right on track with fueling up to that point. I was like every 30 minutes between Bertone and champaign Lock. I was having a goo and, um, I had run out of water a little bit earlier than I would have liked before the aid station. So I think I chugged a little bit of extra water, which is why my stomach felt a little sloshy, but I actually only had, um, there's these like little like fruity chia pack things um and I had one of those it's only 70 calories but it's like easier to get down than some some other things and I had some yeah. kinder bueno <laughs> um I had asked for potato chips but my husband had managed to get them for that aid station which kind of sucked but uh you know it is what it is and um I love their like full like restocked um my plan from there was actually to switch back to the liquid calories. Cause as you know, you know, the course there's a little, a little bit of runnable, but then it's three basically just big climbs and then descents, um, with, with not really any flat in between, between there and the finish. And, um, and so again, kind of at that point in the race, I was like, I want to make sure I'm getting calories on yep. the climb. Yeah. Um, and with the poles without having your hands free, like I definitely don't have a lot of experience with that and so I switched back to the liquid um, calories which ultimately was my undoing unfortunately
0: <laughs> how, how was the weather doing and I don't want to skip over that too um
3: yeah um, was the weather
0: was it rainy at all
3: yeah so it had been raining um you know it had been raining for like the pat like Probably the last uh, 30 minutes or so, 45 minutes before I got to champe Lock. And um, my husband tried to tell me to change there. And I was like, I'm warm. I don't want to change. Like, I don't want to put anything on. I'm good. Um, and he was like, You might get cold on the next, you know, at the top of the next climb. But on the way out, they actually did gear check. I don't know if they did that for you, but I yep. had to show yeah. stuff. Yeah. So since I had to take my pack off, I was like, eh, I'll just grab my. Um, my light jacket so it wasn't technically my waterproof jacket it was just like a windbreaker but I I took that out and put that on um and and had my gloves handy um because my hands had been cold so I grabbed that stuff and it was it was um I actually got kind of warm on on that climb um it was raining for sure it wasn't like downpouring though
0: um was it real foggy
3: um it was pretty foggy but at that point um during the daytime the only place where the fog was like Around me, you know, was at the top of uh, Grand Col Um Other than that, okay. it was definitely cloudy and foggy. But like, um, the fog wasn't really an issue until the bit of the last climb when we were um, in stuff. the dark.
0: <laughs> we'll save the good stuff for last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if people only knew. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so tell me, tell me about this calorie switch up and and what what to yeah. What went down there? What what went wrong?
3: I mean, I I guess I think that, you know, people have different theories and you just have to learn some things by experience. And I obviously, I've never done anything this long. I've never done this type of climbing, really. And so um, I think that basically the the liquid calories just weren't absorbing for me. And so I think that's part of the reason I felt pretty bad um, in the first 20K or so was because I had been relying on liquid calories. And once the gels started kicking in, you know, at the, at the base of that second climb, that's when I started to feel good. And then similarly, when I switched back over to the liquid calories, um, I kind of started to lose energy and then started to get a little bit of nauseous from like being under, under fueled. And then it's a snowball effect. So from, um, Champé-Loc to the next aid station at Trient. I managed to get down a couple gels, but I think the the snowball had already started, and um, I was still holding on. I was still in sixth place at Trient, um, but I had moved. I had climbed quite a bit slower than I had wanted, and that descent is is just a slammer, and my quads got just pretty railed on that descent. And um, Gosh, I came those,
0: those switchbacks. There were only so 50, rough. there were so many of them. It was like fifty <laughs> yeah. steep. Switchbacks to yeah. get into the final uh, aid station. There I was yeah. like, oh my gosh.
3: Yep, so rough. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was raining at that point. Like you're at 72 kilometers, and so what I said to I had a couple other American. Um, people who were out cheering and you know at the aid station and I was like shit's getting real (laughs) that's kind of what I kept saying um like I had started to feel not very good there and was like pretty concerned about how much slamming I had just done on my quads and I I had a couple potato chips there but I should have and I forgot to have the little chia thing that I had and um I just didn't I didn't eat in that aid station the way I should have. And um, similarly then on that next climb, that climb out of Treant, oh. um is so Brutal. hard. That's like a yeah. 40, 30 to 40% grade the whole way. It's, it's shorter than, you know, the one previously, but it's steeper. And um, in the energy so deficit, steep. it's just like, yeah. It's I just, so
0: steep. It's, yeah. I, I got lucky. I don't mean to keep sharing so many of my personal No, I want to hear your but, story. Yeah. So I, I crushed food at that aid station, like just crushed it and (laughs) I felt awesome also because I was still on mountain time. So I'm waking up into that climb and, and, uh, yeah, I had some soup and then I hit that climb and I'm just like, let's do this. Like and a good song came on, I, I don't know why the music was hitting the spot, but I just, I listened to some like pretty hardcore rap music going up that climb. (laughs) But at the base of it, I looked up and I'm like, are those stars? Or are those headlamps? Headlamps. Oh, man. And it's, it was, because it was pitch dark for me. And it was kind of mind blowing. And then I just looked three feet in front of me and just kept hiking and listening to music. And I think I probably, that was what made my race, was that single what was it? Probably 3000 feet of climbing. Nice. Um, that's
3: great. I mean, that's awesome to hear that that's possible, right? Like that gives me hope that if I can get the fueling thing right, I can, I can nail those later climbs in the future. (laughs) I
0: had a little, I had a tropical hammer gel that has like 25 milligrams of caffeine. So Mm -hmm. I think it was that combination. And, um, honestly just getting calories in before the climb, because you, we burn a ton of calories on that climb. Yep. Um, so, y- did you hit a low point there? Was that yeah. like a real hard, I, yeah, sp- hard patch?
3: Yeah, especially because the top. I don't know if you remember, but the top of that climb, you you kind of come to a pretty runnable section, you know, like you you pop out of the woods and it's like kind of just a little bit uphill, yep, but yeah. it's, too, it's totally runnable unless you, you know, are in a hole. And I actually remember from 2 years ago from OCC that was where things clicked for me because at the top of that climb, like a lot of people were walking that that part that's like basically flat but a tiny bit uphill, and I had what I was running it 2 years ago. And then this year I was having a lot of trouble transitioning from that steep, steep climbing to being able to run that. And so that was kind of where I was like, shit, I'm in trouble. Like yeah. I'm, I'm walking this and my legs are having trouble, like responding to the transition and I should be running this. And, um, so that was kind of like a crap situation. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Damn it,
0: Cause it is <laughs> runnable. I was running. It is. Yeah. It, if, if middle of the pack guy's running, um, it's runnable. Yeah,
3: I, sh- I should have been running that. And that was kind of like a, a moment of like, okay. And so I mean, ultras are about problem solving. And so I,
0: nice.
3: I was trying to figure out how to problem solve. But, um, you know, at some point, it kind of starts to unravel. And um, I, I think I maybe had a was able to get down a gel on that like Good. on that way down but like yeah, I was takes, moving pretty slowly on that descent too and um I had left
0: like 20 minutes to, for that to actually kick in too exactly
3: like, it takes yeah. forever
0: to like finally hit feel you the
3: effect. yeah exactly um, did the
0: steep descent get your legs just moving again because um, it's a thousand feet of loss for that one mile
3: yeah, and it's and it's on that gravelly road, so it's it's that's runnable. I mean, I was running that, but like uh-huh. usually that's the kind of thing where I'd be running like a you know conservative seven minute mile or something down that like, and yeah. I think I was running like nines or something, so um, you know, or, or like mid eights. So I was like way slower than I should have been. Still, did you, did you um, get past there? So yeah, I got well, I got past um once we dropped into the um um, the technical part so there's the gravel road descent and then you you know, you pull off that onto like the trail trail And yeah. so I had left treant without my proper headlamp So I had the race approved um, Mini mini lights that I was running with like to meet the gear requirements um, But my plan was to be at valor scene before it got fully dark um, and so I left trant without my headlamp and um, A couple of people stopped to pull out their headlamps for that last trail section because even though it was still a little bit light out once you went into the trees it was pretty dark um and I was just like I don't want to stop and pull out like my little baby headlamp to not be able to like not have it do that much so I was like I was like, F it. I will. I'll just keep running. And um, so I was running a little bit slower than I might have been just because I didn't want to fall. Like this was Valor scene, right? This is where I had fallen two years ago. And this is where I had to pull out. I was like, I am not pulling into the Valor scene aid station like broken again. So um, I got passed by a woman in that last like half mile um, <coughs> Excuse me, uh, descent on the technical part, cause she had her headlamp out and she was able to kind of go a little faster. So I pulled into Valerseen like not in a great place mentally or physically, right? I had just gotten past. Um, I was feeling low energy. I was feeling nauseous. Um, there's one, obviously one climb and like 10 ish miles left. But, um, and then when I was in there, I was like, okay, I need to drink some soup. And like, I was trying to take in more calories, but then, um, <clears throat> I heard that, you know, I was in seventh place at that point. I heard eight and ninth place were right behind me.
0: So you're you're getting a little concerned, I mean, <coughs> as you're watching what, two or three or possibly four people passing you, are you are you like almost in freak out mode or, or are you just so concerned about trying to <coughs> keep, keep stuff down that um I mean I we're, was a
3: little, Yeah sorry, I was, I was a little bit of both. I was like in that mental battle of like, okay, I really, I know what it feels like to lose position late in a race and how much that sucks. And I really don't want to feel that again. But I was also at that point, pretty close to the furthest I had ever run, uh, in terms of distance and in terms of time was like, you know, at the furthest I'd ever run. (laughs) Um, And so I was kind of, I was battling between like, I just want to survive and finish this and I don't care if I get passed versus like the competitive side of me that was like, I really don't want to lose like all of this work I've done for the past, you know, nine hours or whatever, 10 hours. Like I don't want to, I don't want to lose that in this last like hour and a half, two hours. Like that just sucks. Um, So I left, I left the aid station still in seventh place um, with a cup of soup (laughs) and like that out of dollar scene, remember is super runnable.
0: Oh, super! I was I was jogging.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. Yeah. I started out walking because I was trying to drink some soup, and I was like, God, I gotta, I gotta we, push this.
0: Can we take a second and talk about the soup? <laughs> the soup at this race.
3: Yes. <laughs> okay.
0: I I normally like okay. I'll I'll get the condensed Campbell soup at whatever ultra I'm at. This was like pick your own. Add in if you want to add in rice and like each. Each uh, aid station had like a different flavor type, f- you know, soup because it's in different countries. And I, I just want to go back to UTMB for the soup. Um, yeah. <laughs> but did that help you? Because it had a-, a ton of sodium in it. Like, were you feeling like it was warming you up, or because I went for two things of soup at each of the crude aid stations, and yeah. I swear it, it helped me a. You know, a ton. Um, did that help things loosen up a little bit going into um, the the last the last yeah. climb or climbs?
3: I mean, I should, have, A, I should have had more, so I, my husband got it for me in my little cup, and it was just way too hot, and that yeah. actually, like, really pissed me off, because, like, I, I'm trying to be fast in there, you know, I want to be able to just, like, chug it down, and it was, like, scalding, which I get yeah. for most people, you're cold, you want to sit there and warm up, and I was like, I'm not cold, I just need some, like, warm calories to, like, get me going, and so... We had a miscommunication. He, like, dumped most of it out, and I was like, no, I need that. Like, what are you, what are you doing? So then he tried to get more broth and added some cold water to it to, to make it drinkable. So I, I didn't actually have any rice with it, which would have been great. Um, it did – I think it did help a little bit, but um, I don't think I, – I didn't get the full soup experience. So I need to go back just to, like, just, really get just the full soup experience. Sam- just yeah. sample <laughs> soups. Yeah.
0: Like, you know – Start off at in like a thousandth place, like me, and just go for just the super. Chill. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's Enjoy a super party. run. Uh, <laughs> that's that's interesting. So I was expecting more of the triant like immediate climb action, and mm-hmm. this was delayed. Like, mm-hmm. and you have that road crossing,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then there's like you get a sample of a climb, and then you climb a little bit more, and then. Tell me, tell me where your mind was, because they rerouted us. There was a section of the traditional CCC course that had a landslide, and I think actually someone died. Yeah, um, the, like week, the week
3: before. <laughs> the week
0: before, which is like just you know devastating. Um, yeah. But tell me, how did that last climb or climbs go in the reroute?
3: So I, I like hadn't. I mean, I had heard about the the rock slide and, like, the potential reroute, but I actually couldn't find documentation of what that route was anywhere, Um, and so I had done what I thought was going to be the last piece of the, like, descent into La Flagère, because normally you peak just before La Flagère, which is, like, the last big aid station, and then you, you know, you descend to that a little bit. And then you that's like where the last final descent starts from. And so I had done that section that leads up to La Flaugere the week before the race, but turns out that wasn't the right section. Um, And so I kind of had no idea what I was getting into there. And yeah, I I got passed by um, uh, another American named Liz, who I actually knew, um, and this Italian woman kind of Came up, up on me on that gravel part out of Valor scene. We were we were all running, but um, I was running slower. And they were like, they were great. They were Liz was like, Amy, is that you? And I was like, yes. She was in a great <laughs> mood, and I was just like, uh. Um, and she and the Italian woman were really awesome. They're like, come with us. We have gels. We have coke. It's gonna be a party. And like, I really <laughs> wish I had like. A been able to like channel some of their positive energy and like be just tacked on with them because, um, but I just, I just didn't like, I just couldn't do it. So they passed me in at that point. I was like, okay, I'm in ninth place. I was like, that sucks. But like, I'm still top 10. Let's, let's see what we can do here to not completely shit the bed on the last 10 miles of this race.
0: <laughs> um, and it was so a yeah, heck, that, it was a heck of the last 10 miles. oh god
3: Yeah. So once we it crossed the road, right. Like you, like you said, we cross that road, you start climbing, um, that was where the fog hit me and the people i was there was a couple guys around me but um that section was super super steep um it was pretty short you know i mean well i guess it's like
0: yeah it wasn't horrible but
3: uh it was like a mile basically of um like a 30 percent Grade with like you know roots and rocks and stuff like that but it was like not terrible terrible but it was it was super for me it was pitch black and super foggy fog um was,
0: like yeah. I, I had to turn my headlamp on super bright just to be able to see where like my my feet were gonna go
3: yeah I um, mean I just I was just looking straight down like I wasn't I couldn't like because for me the, the fog was like pushing the light back in or yeah, the light back into my eyes, it's like reflecting. And so I was just like, had my head straight down, which is like for climbing is not great.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had it on the descent. So after that, that climb, it flattened for like a quarter of a mile. And then we hit the most pleasant downhill descent of my personal life. I, I feel like it was half a mile down. It was like right around mile 57, Tell me tell me how that stretch was for you guys at the uh front of the elite pack. Um,
3: are you talking about the actual run like the nice descent after La Flagere or I'm talking
0: about the the roots, and the roots and rocks.
3: Like that was like yeah, I think that was about fifty five but yeah, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so yeah. it was like that one was about, yeah, three quarters of a mile of um of probably thirty percent grade on the decline um yeah with boulders and roots and um yeah that was that was awful that was also super just, foggy
0: did you just sprint down it <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, yeah, no, that was, um, when looking at my, my Strava miles, I had like a 30 minute mile on that descent. Um, so yeah, I sprinted, um, <laughs> <laughs> I did get passed by a dude who was booking it and I was like, I do not understand I mean, how this is happening. Val- do you value
0: oh, your own life?
3: Exactly. Like- <laughs> it was so, I was, I was getting legitimately pissed at it. I was like the I, curse words that were coming out of my mouth were like, I was actively just swearing at the trail. Like, <laughs> like not in a good place.
0: <laughs> I think I um, was doing something similar there uh, or yeah. something to the effect of like, this is the reroute. Like, come on, this is the worst effing trail I've ever been. On.
3: Yeah. <laughs> like, like, how is this any safer than whatever we were supposed to do? Like, I, I, totally I almost broke my ankle like four times and I was moving extremely slowly. So I don't <laughs> <laughs> and so um,
0: we finally get through i honestly that was the hardest half mile or whatever amount of trail i think i've ever done between yeah. the fog and for me the roots were wet yep same it was just like uh, okay we're done with this like and i was mentally i was really positive for most of it um because i knew everyone had to do it yeah so i was like great like no one's gonna pass me here like like, as long as I stay positive and keep moving through it, like, I'm going to, like, uh, this will break a lot of people mentally. Um, mm-hmm. And so how was it when you finally, so we climb up again, and then we mm-hmm. come to this opening, and you see the ski, yeah. the top of the ski lift, and it's like, are you serious? So it's like a, probably a thousand foot climb? Yeah. How, where, where were you mentally? Like, how did you handle that situation?
3: So, I was like, I was actually confused because again, like I didn't really understand the course, and I remember from what I had done that like it was it was pretty open for a while. like the route I had taken to the, the the you know aid station at the top of the ski lift was pretty open, and this whole time, like that whole climb, for most of it, we were like in trees still. And so I was really confused, and I kind of didn't know how much further we had. So when we actually popped out into the clearing and you could see, I was like, oh, we don't actually have that much further to go. We must be going a different way. So like, I actually had like a kind of good feeling then mentally and, um, I was kind of jogging, you know, once you got into that like open gravel road, it was like a little, parts of it were a little bit joggable. So I was running some of that. And I did panic a little bit because um, once it opened up there and I was basically at the top just before the aid station, I, I took a look, you know, you kind of turn and you're able to see behind you. And I saw just this string of headlamps. And I was like, okay, there's like 20 people in that distance. And, you know, at least one of those, if not more has to be a woman. I'm like, with the rate I've been getting passed by men at this point, like, I could, I could lose this, you know, top 10 in this final descent. And I was like, Okay, so I I, in La Flajeure, I made sure I took a gel um, and filled up my water because you know, it's still 10k from there, and um, I left 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 Legere and just completely missed the turn to go down and started running like the wrong way. But thankfully, caught myself and um,
0: that would yeah. Have been I mean devastating. Wow. Yeah,
3: but yeah, that last 10k is um, that was you know
0: steep coming out of that. Like, the first
3: part was steep. Yeah. Uh, but you, it's it,
0: jeep road basically, or whatever crushed gravel yeah, the type. Crushed road. Gravel. Yeah, crushed um, gravel.
3: But that was where I just kind of like. Like, that's my jam, right? Like, I can I can you, run downhill. You that hammered kind of downhill. that? I hammered that because oh I was like, gosh, okay. Oh, my
2: gosh. That's I mean, impressive. Wow.
3: Hammered is a relative term. At the time, I thought I was <laughs> running, like, seven-minute miles. And I look at Strava, and I was running, like, nine-minute miles. But still, <laughs> um, mentally, I was like, okay. I was like, this is where, again, push when you can, endure when you have to. I was like, I can't feel my legs at this point. You know, who cares if my quads are shredded? Like, I'm just going to. I'm just going to push this, and I had, like you said, I had music on by this point. I didn't for the first half of the race, but when things started to go a little rough, I put my music on, and I had this one song, and I just repeated it for that entire 10K. And nice. just hammered.
0: What song uh, was it?
3: Uh, hopefully it's, a Latin. it's
0: Hopefully, it's not something embarrassing. No,
3: I don't actually even know what it's called, but it's a Latin. It wasn't like
0: the Latin Titanic song. theme song or no, something.
3: No, Last of the Weekends, <laughs> No, it was uh it was some Latin song that's just got a really good nice just nice. like
0: you know, so I, I resorted to like 50 cent for the last 10k oh yeah i had like... some 50 cent in there too. <laughs> Don't worry, you're not
3: alone.
0: that's i i'm i'm hitting like a dark spot if i have to resort to that but um
3: yeah there's no judgment on on ultra <laughs> music i mean <laughs> you need to keep yourself sane, it's
0: good so uh i was frustrated because it got technical again and mm-hmm. i couldn't really run it um and i was my quads were still intact, and I was like, "I want to run, but we can't run this. Like, I'm going to kill myself." So, were you able to? Um,
3: oh yeah, no, I just, I just kind of, I don't know. Maybe I should have made this switch earlier, and I would have survived the other, like, crazy technical steep descents. Because this one, I was just like f it I'm like i'm just gonna whatever and i just ran it and you powered snowfall. and like i was doing the like fairy dance with my feet and somehow yeah. even at that point in the race i was able to navigate the roots and stuff for that wow. that technical skinny part and
0: that's stuff. really impressive because that was um that was pretty techy and then uh two miles ago i think you finally hit we finally we do like a last river crossing which was more of just stones and whatnot mm-hmm. Yep. and then it opens up we went by that little tiny restaurant or whatever that yep. was up there and then yep. it's totally crushable from there to the finish line like yep. where were you mentally physically
3: i was um kind of in the same place like i just kept i was like i'm i am not going to let myself get past here so i just i had no idea who was behind me, um, but I could see headlamps. Um, I had no idea if they were men or women, but I was like, I don't care. I'm not letting anybody pass me. I passed a couple guys who were moving very gingerly, which felt good, um, and I just knew, A, I knew I was gonna finish, which was like the ultimate goal, especially after DNFing, which was a pretty cool feeling. I looking at the time I was like okay like my, my kind of beagle was top 10 and finishing within the same day so finishing before midnight and it was like 11:40 or something like that and I was like okay I can totally crush this beagle if I really put my mind to it and so um, you know when, once I get to the light at the end of the tunnel mentally I'm able to like re-engage that competitive side it's that like Kind of two thirds through the race section where I really struggle. So, um. but when I get down to the road and there's, I see that first set of stairs to go over the road, and <laughs> the rage that I felt is pretty indescribable. <laughs> Climbing like two stories on metal stairs <laughs> after running 62 miles, I was like, "You!" <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I
3: knew about the one later. I did not know about that one, so I there's didn't know there two were of those. two. And then yeah, no. we
0: had to do the Ugh. descent. I heavily utilized the rail.
3: Yeah, I, re- well, I was afraid of falling and like busting my face. I, but I ran the stairs. I was like, after, I you know, after this, I'm running the stairs. And like, um, yeah, so I mean, the finish was, was fun. Um, you know, I finished just before midnight. So like, there were some people out still because it was a Friday night. But it's not like the scene of, um, you know, the top finishers that you see in the videos. You kind yeah, of imagine yeah. that your finish is going to be that busy and, and people cheering for you that much. And that wasn't. That wasn't the case, but my coach made it to the finish, which was awesome. And then there were actually quite a few friends, and my husband was there. And, um, yeah, I've never been so happy to see a finish line in my life.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. It's weird because mentally you picture finishing at UTMB or CCC one way. And then, (laughs) I mean, I know for you, like, it's pitch dark out. Like, for me, I had one person slow clapping. Um Cause I finished at like four fifty-five a.m. Oh God, yeah. So it was like, That's hard. yeah, it was it was totally a weird timing. Um, but for me, I was the same way, like with those stairs, cause I was pushing to do sub sub twenty, and I had I finished with four minutes to spare, so I had to drop like eight thirty mile times for those last two miles. Um, mm-hmm. which then. I was trying to factor in the two stairs, the two over the road climbs, because I knew those were there. I knew there were two. Luckily, I should have shared that with you. Um, yeah,
3: that's fine. I mean, it's it didn't make that much of a difference. <laughs> ultimately. So
0: mentally, did you know, like crossing the finish line? You knew immediately you were top 10, right?
3: Yeah, no, I knew I was in ninth place there. Um, So yeah, I mean, you know, any day that you get to finish and you don't completely like blow up um, and you've got people there at the finish supporting you, like that's a good day. So I was actually super happy. My husband was um, said to me later, he was like, I can't believe how, like, what good spirits you were in when you were, when you finished. I thought you were going to be, like, kind of totally different. But, like, I actually immediately got a beer, Sufferfest beer from him and started, like, crushed a beer right at the finish and was just, like, yeah, pretty. I mean, I was very loopy, as I'm sure you were too. But, like, I was, yeah. I was, you know, I was happy. I was proud of myself for, pushing through some dark places and, you know, holding on at least to the top 10 if I was, even if I wasn't able to hold on to sixth place and, um, you know, the, the kind of go back and forth between being really proud of the effort and, um, and disappointed and kind of, you know, it seems like being able to manage nutrition should be an easy thing. And it seems like a really, it's like a pretty frustrating and dumb thing to have derailed, um, my race. And so that's pretty frustrating. Um, because it's like anytime, I don't know, I finish in a time less than I know what I could have done, I, I'm pretty frustrated. And that's been kind of the theme of the year so far for me is like making some mistakes and um, paying for them and kind of not putting out my best performances. But at the same time, that fuels the fire. And I'm, I've definitely learned very critical lessons from each one of those races where I haven't, you know, necessarily pulled out my best performance. So, um, yeah, I think overall like pretty pumped about the whole experience.
0: Yeah. Huge congrats. I mean, nutrition, you can practice in training and you can nail down. You can't, you can't, I mean, it's a quick fix (laughs) relatively speaking to, um, training someone to have the physical capabilities of doing what you do so i think i think if anything if that's the weakest spot within your racing right now you're only going to keep improving so nice. huge, huge congrats and how you got an fkt beer to shamini i'm like seriously jealous
3: <laughs> i had two i had an fkt on the, um the,
0: the, the green one too the oh repeat. the repeat nice, mm-hmm. nice. yeah
3: yeah, no, I car- I checked my bag, and I carried that around with me for, like, two and a half weeks for, for that exact <laughs> moment, and it tasted so good.
0: <laughs> and if I – yeah, I should have planned a little bit better. I didn't check any bags. I was all – Well, was you par- had a
3: much tighter turnaround schedule. Like my, I, had a- <laughs> I, don't,
0: I don't think I've shared that with many people, but, yeah. I had less than 24 hours when I showed up because I had a That's flight crazy. delay.
2: Oh, my God. I
0: had a flight delay, and I got to Chamonix around <sighs> – I want to say it was, like, noon or 1-ish, maybe 2 (laughs) p.m. on uh, Thursday. And the the race starts uh, Friday at 9 a.m. So uh, I think, if anything, I was just relieved to be there. And, no, I have not, you know, I hadn't missed the start. Because that had actually gone through my head as the the plane had to uh, go back because the right engine wouldn't start. You kind of need that for international flights you need two engines yes
2: yeah yeah probably so,
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um, but anyways huge congrats I mean I want to finish up and I appreciate all the time you've you've given us here what what are the lessons you learn from this race
3: um I mean the the fueling piece is obviously the biggest one and um, I mean you can practice some level of fueling and training, but, uh, for races this long, I mean, you don't, you obviously you don't train this long. So you kind of just don't know how your body's going to react, um, to this kind of effort. So I think there's just something to be learned about that. And like some people don't need a lot of calories, um, and can run hundred K's on like very little. Um, and I learned pretty pretty clearly this time, I'm not one of those people. So I need to be eating more. Um, And, you know, ultimately, until the nutrition got the better of me, my my race strategy had paid off. So like, the races, it just kind of reaffirmed that I really need to focus on just running my own race. So the the races in the past year or so that have gone the best for me, um, this one and North Face, I, I started out you know, back from the leaders and and at my own pace, and then um, gave myself the very long amount of time I need to warm up, <laughs> and yeah. then like you know felt good in the middle section, and and at North Face I felt good at the end of the race because it was shorter and I, nutrition went better, but I think this one was on track for that as well. Like I was passing passing people versus getting passed, um, whereas a couple of the other races this year I went out um, tried to go out with leaders. Uh, you know, faster than what I want to do at the beginning of a race and paid for it for the rest of the race. So I think that's just like, um, kind of another thing, you know, you have to learn by experience. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think the other thing was just like letting go of expectations to some extent. So I think the, the long forced taper and the kind of so many, um, uh, circumstances out of my control, you just kind of have to like accept that you can't control those things and just, you know, do what you can. And I think, uh, that was a really big, a big part of this too was just like going into it with like, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And like, yes, you can push, but, um, ultimately, and I think that was also a lesson just from, uh, watching the next day's race as well. UTMB, like the drop rate for elites was insane, right? Like just a number of things out of your control and, um, just how, you know, terribly things can go wrong and you know it will it's gonna happen and you just kinda have to accept it and be okay with it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So will you be going back for another race next year in Shamani?
3: Um, to be determined, I definitely I mean it's really hard. Like there's so many races that I want to do all around the world that it's and yeah. obviously the other thing I definitely learned about myself this year was like I just I'm not one of those people that can do a ton of long racing every year. Like, I don't know how you do it. You amaze me, but like, um, I, <laughs> I can't do, sure. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't do that many long races in a year. So I, I, um, uh, I definitely have unfinished business with this course still. Like I, I want to, I want to nail it for sure. Um, whether that happens next year or the year after, it's a little hard to say right now. Cause, um, it depends on, a
0: few things about next year we'll see well that's that's awesome to hear and again huge congrats if the listener doesn't know much about amy i mean just go back to episode 38 we did a full interview to hear her her story how she got into running and eventually how it led to shamany and redemption like huge redemption um you know from the last time you were there in town and just huge congrats i mean a top 10 at any of the UTMB related races is huge because of how stacked these fields are. And this was not an easy year um, for any of the races. So you should feel really good. And yeah, it was a good year for the Sufferfest team in Chamonix. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully this becomes a routine. Um, but yeah, take care. Hopefully your recovery goes well. And, and thanks for sharing your big race recap with us
3: thanks yeah congratulations to you too I, I also really liked hearing about your experience it's really fun to just hear about you know how how people experience the same thing in, in different ways that's a really fun part of this whole thing that we do so thank you
0: yeah thanks See you. it's episode 58 I hope you guys liked it makes me a little uncomfortable having to talk about myself so much there because I really like hearing other people's stories. But if it inspires another Dan to just get out there, make it happen, lose some weight, make some healthier choices, I'll I'll share my story as much as needed. So um, big hats off to Dan and uh, appreciate your guys' support. Thank you to our newest sponsor, Destination Trail earlier i said destination trails i added an s i'm sorry candace my bad i'll get this down and uh yeah thank you to hammer nutrition supper beer bigger than the trail and uh all you patreon supporters so we'll have a training for ultra challenge coming up hopefully within a month and man i'm focused in on Moab. so have a great week enjoy your training see ya bye